there's just a growing a growing general level um, of students applying to college, right? So access to academic opportunities, education, it's increased. Um, and more and more students have the academic qualifications to apply to these elite universities, essentially. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eliminated Podcast. I have with me Kate Stone. Kate Stone is a seasoned college admissions consultant and college essay coach. She received her education from NYU and previously served as a Princeton University teaching fellow in Asia. Kate transformed her passion for creative writing and storytelling into actionable strategies for the college admissions process, essays, and application. Her program coaches students to develop and strategize their most powerful narratives based on their individual ideas and achievements. Kate's students have been accepted to Stanford, Yale, Harvard, Columbia, University of Chicago, Brown, Barnard, NYU, UPenn, and many others. Kate, welcome to Illuminated Podcast. Thank you for having me. So this is such a great conversation because uh, over uh, over the weekend, I was talking to my uh, friend from college, and he's also a parent of a sophomore student. Uh, and he called me and said, you know, Kieran, I need your help. Uh, and we, we haven't talked, just like most other male friends, we haven't talked in the last three years. So I almost knew that when he called me that he needed some help. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, he said that, you know, my kid is a sophomore, and uh, she needs to write an essay. And I don't know how to begin to help her because you know he grew up in India and he didn't know the business of college. Uh, and it is so weird that most people don't know the first thing about what a college essay is, why is it important for admission, especially into Ivy League colleges like you talked about. So let's set the basic story here. We have SAT, ACT, college GPA, high school, high school GPA and other quantitative attributes. Why should anybody care about college essay? Well, I think that this shift that we've had from quantitative to qualitative um, has happened for a number of reasons, right? So I, it, and a big part of it might have to do with like this macro level, you know, there's just a growing, a growing general level um, of students applying to college, right? So access to academic opportunities, education, it's increased. Um, and more and more students have the academic qualifications to apply to these elite universities, essentially. Um, and then and more and more families have the financial means to afford those universities. So these enrollment numbers, which in the past have, you know, the, the enrollment numbers may remain static, although they definitely decreased this year. Um, I think they're just far more qualified applicants to seats available. So mm -hmm. you can't necessarily gauge an application anymore just based on the quantitative. You have to shift to the qualitative assessment. So right. once your student passes through the first door, right? That first door of, of quantitative, okay, you, you have the grades, you have the test scores, um, let's review everything else. Let, let's review your stories. Like, who are you? Right. Like uh, they want to understand a student's character, drive, engagement, impact, and dreams. And, and also like 
they want to fill niches. And really sometimes the only way to really understand what those, what students might fill in terms of a niche, uh, an academic niche at their school is through the essays. Right. Um, and furthermore, you know, we learned a lot from the Harvard admissions scandal, uh, which I ended up, you know, perusing through some of the, um, some of the litigation materials and what we discovered was um, that there was a great emphasis on character development and personal mm-hmm. development, that they really valued applicants who maybe didn't necessarily have a, a challenge. I mean, come on, you know, like what 17 year old is going to have a really massive challenge in their life. Some do, mm-hmm. some absolutely do, but you don't need to have that, but you need to have gone on some sort of journey um, right. mentally, um, intellectually, spiritually, personally, um, identity wise, um, to, to show growth, <laughs> you know, they want students with like a certain level of maturity to go to mm-hmm. these universities. It's very, it's high performance, high achieving, high status schools. They want students there who have a certain baseline of self-awareness, self-understanding, self, a capacity to self-inquire, um, you know, just intellectual development, mental development. And the only way to really truly understand if a student is ready for that rigor, right, mm-hmm. uh, is to read their thoughts, to know how they think, not just what they think, but how they think. No, I agree. And I think there's um, Harvard example is probably a, as good as any uh, on how, you know, I think that it's it's a little bit of an off balance situation based on your call it gender um, or sexual identity, obviously ethnicity and race as well. Because if you think about uh, when you're looking at, let's say, Asians, if you will, or Indians uh, in general, uh, you have most of the students that my son just uh, got into Georgia Tech and he applied to all the schools you talked about, Stanford and others. And uh, most of the schools, uh, he was about 4.5 GPA, weighted GPA, about 1550 SAT. And you know, those sound like they're all 95 percentile, 95 plus percentile uh, quantitative attributes. But there is when you look at the group of Indians he's competing with or Asians he's competing with, we are he's probably like just one of the 10,000 people applying for Stanford. So that's why the quantitative assessment, uh, especially with essay is important. But the what people don't really understand, and I think um, Varun, my son, kind of briefed me on this, is that you know, I was trying to tell him about this essay as well, but he said, dad, they only spend, I don't know, their average admissions officer spends only two minutes on an essay. Is that true? Like how much time does an average admissions officer, when they have like a work caseload of 5,000 applicants, like if Stanford has 50,000 students, right, uh, who apply or more, um, they probably have like 10 to 15 admissions counselors reviewing these essays. How much time does a typical admissions counselor spend on each essay? Well, from what I have heard from a UC admissions uh, reader, four to seven minutes. And, and when they're so, really in the flow, like when yeah. you're really in the flow, it's about four. And that's why good storytelling is so important. Exactly. That's why. So, I mean, I think that that's why I wanted to bring up the statistic is that, you know, 
it is not much different for an admissions counselor to review your essay and make a decision on whether you're up or down uh, than a kid watching TikTok videos and saying whether I like this video or not, because that the volume or throughput they're looking at is very high. And you need to touch them, you need to excite them, you need to entertain them, you need to engage with them to a point they say, oh, this sounds interesting. I need to know more about this kid or this student. So that is a huge load for an average student. Uh, so talk to me about like, if you are an admissions counselor, when you're reading tens of, you know, hundreds of applications per day or hundreds of essays per day, what would make you take a pause and say, you know, oh my universe, this is amazing. Well, I, that's a, such a good question. And it's a multifaceted answer. Um, the first one answer that I could give you is an application where a student has, you know, um, maybe a, a, a main interest in something that they've done and they have just, they've explored it on multiple different levels, not just within the container of school, not just within the formality of like a summer program or a college course, but really um, explored it in as many possible ways as they can find um, ingenious ways, creative ways, um, finding other inroads, uh, kind of <laughs> communicating a level of ingenuity, um, independence and initiative. That's like, oh, they're really into this. This isn't just like to make their activities list look good. This is because they're genuinely passionate about this. And the right. second part of that answer is to say a student who let's say is an incredible musician, right? Um, and has done incredible um, uh, work, maybe in drumline and in band, um, mm -hmm. but has combined that interest with music, which is perhaps maybe like a common interest with something that's service oriented. Like this sure. year, I had a student um, who got into Yale, who combined um, her interest in music and music theory with um, working with um, uh adults, young adults who were autistic or had uh, learning differences um, and using music as a form of therapy and following that interest even further into the effect of music on the brain and research and right. So she just took it as far as she could to take this thing that she loved and she'd committed a lot of time and energy to but to apply that in other contexts, right? Science, service, community, um, her mother's Bible school, where that's where she was first exposed to, to people with learning differences. Um, and to try to bring this idea she had um, and experiment with its impact and power out in the world. I mean, that's a kid that can think for themselves, that's ready to go to college and make that university look good. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, and I, I recognize like not all 17 year olds are, are there yet. You know, right. it, that's, that's a rare, and that that's really what it's about at these top tier universities is it's about finding that those students who are like intellectually just 
more ready yeah. than others, right? For that level of rigor. That's amazing. I mean, I think there's two, there's multiple facets to this, right? I do agree that they need to make the story compelling, authentic, and truthful. And I've seen, like, we bought this book, um, you know, 50 essays of kids who got into Harvard. And some kids are exactly like you talked about, where they took a uh, they took their music experience and applied it towards uh, doing solving homelessness crisis. Some kid wrote about, I don't know, um, some weird things like where they just talk about a flute uh, throughout the essay. And that has nothing to do with education. That has nothing to do with Harvard. That has nothing to do with anything. Uh, and some kid talked about his uh, cardiac problem and how she, uh, I think, overcame that. So I, I do understand that there is a wide variety of it. And everybody talks about being authentic, but here's but here's a big rub. Uh, now we are in this new scenario where uh, you can go to Chat GPT and say, "I want to write an admissions uh, essay for you know, disabled person or flute uh, or World War II," and you can it can come up with an amazing essay. Or there are some uh, kids are also uh, getting you know, paying somebody else to go and write their essay. How do you negotiate that yeah. uh, where um, well, some people are just scheming the system? I mean, the, the reality is, though, it's not that advanced yet. So, for instance, like it couldn't write a personal essay on like your interest in flute that was truly specific and 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 true to you because it doesn't have the examples it wouldn't provide the specific visual examples nouns details anecdotes that you would be able to provide when writing that that essay yourself so what it could do is write a good like why brown essay right so now admissions and high schools all over the country are talking a lot about chat gpt because uh mm -hmm. students do cheat it's it's like they're gonna do it um, and now they have many more tools to do so, but in this case, they're not going to be able to write personal essays with this AI tool, right? They're not going to write the level of quality of personal essays with this tool that they think they can. It's just, you can't make, it can't make it that personal to you. So what schools right. are most likely going to be doing is shifting in the direction of, um, like more you Chicago style prompts create mm -hmm. really creative, notoriously tricky prompts, which right. is like, what would a wisdom, what would a wisdom tooth say? Or like you're, you're on an expedition to Mars and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's going to get more creative, more challenging, more tricky. And you're going to have to come up with, um, more unusual story structures and, and a much more distinct voice for your essay. Um, so it's actually, it's going to require students to become better writers, more creative storytellers. Yeah. I mean, it's, and this is great. Like the, the time that I work with my students, the four to five months I'm working with them to write their essays, they are not the same kid at the end of that process. We have right. sculpted and honed their ideas and <laughs> identities and what they think about things and how they structure and organize their ideas and then present it. I mean, these are, this is actually, it's not just a college application or college essay. It's so much more than that, in my opinion, in my, I know I'm biased, but it really is. I mean, this is why I love this work because you're how 
like what else could be more important than learning how to communicate your story and your yeah. ideas in the world? Because it's so relevant going forward in anything you do, you show up in an interview and somebody's like, tell me about you, yourself, <laughs> you know, and you've never thought about it. You've never constructed some form of anecdote, some form of pitch, you know, I, you have to know, you have to have a message box. Essentially, you have right. to have a, a clear idea of, of what you're bringing to the table in life. Yeah. People want to know and they want to know quickly, you know, they don't have patience to ramble on and on about right. whatever you know it's I, about, I agree i think yeah. from a personality trait perspective uh i there are so many adults that if you if you go you know in a blind date or any other uh <laughs> forum uh, or a networking event to be more professional uh you can ask them like who are you and most people don't know how to answer it they'll say well i'm a ceo of a company or i'm a teacher i'm like well that's what you do but who are you uh like well i'm a dad i'm like well that's that's one of your identities but who are you so um it's yeah. and most people don't know how to articulate beyond what they do uh, for a living or what they do at home and uh knowing how to articulate that and making it interesting is amazing and i and i love that you're helping students do that. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, that part of your life and career, where if a kid comes in and says, I don't know, I just have like this, I'm this nerd, I get this 4.x GPA, I don't have any great extracurricular activities, uh, help me uh, get to, I don't know, Yale or NYU or Stanford, what would your um, coaching <laughs> technique be? I mean, if he doesn't have a, a ton of really great extracurriculars activities, I'm not going to suggest that he apply to Yale or Stanford. If he wants to apply just for the fun of it, for one of those reach schools, then go for it. But if, if you, if you don't have the extracurriculars, the resume to back up that kind of application, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's like, it's a waste of your time. You're, you're better off focused on targets and likelies and putting all of your energy crafting mm -hmm. those applications into as good as they can be versus yeah. wasting your time on these monstrous applications like Stanford, U, Chicago, Harvard, Yale, you know, these are, these are yeah, Stanford has like 20 supplemental they can take a month questions, to complete, yeah. you know, I to agree. go through many revisings, but, um, where do I start? Like, what do I, what would I say to a student who wants to start with me? Yeah. Um, the very beginning is, is finding what's the content here. What, like, tell me like your favorite memory, like show me what's around your room, like pick like five mm -hmm. objects. Like what, tell me a story about each one. Um, uh, talk to me about like something you've had a comp, like what I'm looking for is a thread and a lens to hang all my content hats on. So I'm looking for like the core of the story because at, at the beginning we're looking, okay, what's all the content? And then it's it's putting the puzzle pieces together and where can, what's the through line that all these other pieces might connect to, mm -hmm. right? Um, and finding a creative story structure um, through that process. But it's it's a... It's really hard for kids to do this on their own. That's why a lot of people come to me for this work because I guess at this point I'm like a I'm like an expert creative writer, creative yeah. editor. 
Um, but I, I say, I joke all the time with my partner, Zach. I'm like, I feel like I'm just solving puzzles all day, you know, right. and, because you're and, seeing yeah. all these disparate pieces of information and coming up with a cohesive yes. story. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what, what made you get to this trade? Like, talk to me about <laughs> like how you became a admission storytelling guru or university well, guru. Um, I started, um, I was a teacher in Asia and I decided while I was over there, um, I was making pretty good money modeling in Asia too, on the side while I was teaching. Cause teaching doesn't make you that much money. <laughs> yeah, so sure. when they said I could make X amount per day, I was like, really? My ears perked up. Um, and so I, decided that I had always wanted to be an actress like my whole life. And I didn't pursue it because I was terrified of performing in front of people. Um, and I guess the confidence of traveling abroad, I'd, I'd been abroad for four years. I'd seen the world, you know, um, as a quite a young person right out of college. Sure. Um, and around 24, I left Asia, went to L went to New York first, went to theater school. Then I went to LA and if any actors are listening, you know that some that acting, there's a lot of time you have on your hands, whether you're right. on set, whether you're in between auditions, whether you're in between jobs. And um, and I do not like uh not, you know, I I'm a productive person. So I was like, I'll I'll keep teaching. Um, you know, versus the whole like waiting tables <laughs> trope. Um and you put my skills to good use. And I, I decided that writing tutoring didn't make enough money. So I thought to myself, I, sh I must find a niche. And I thought college essay coaching, this will be a great idea. And I get to work with young people and it's more fun. And I get to mentor these kids for longer periods of time. And it all just kind of spoke to me. Um, and it paid more. Um, and I found, uh, a couple people online who were just doing it, uh, really, really well. And I reached out to those people and they mentored me for, you know, eight, 10 years. And I just got better and better and better at writing. You know, you edit, you know, 50 essays a day over mm -hmm. the course of a decade, you get to be a pretty good writer sure. um, and you get really good at it, um, over time. And you see what works, what doesn't work, what's really common what's like been said a million times before what has not been said before what you know you just you just sort of do it and it's uh, I just kind of fell into it you know I really did it wasn't something I sought out but you mm -hmm. know I love marketing copy and I did a lot of building my business I did a lot of uh, web copy courses and learning how to write for selling and, um, and then obviously script writing and script analysis. Mm -hmm. So I applied those two things and really uh, applied it to the college essay. Cause I thought, well, the college essay is kind of like a written form of a life, a 30 second lifestyle commercial, right? you know? And, um, I like that short form. I like that brevity. I like how visual the college essay can be and how you can communicate so much so quickly. Um, you know, I think students like, I'm like, you know, I show them sometimes, okay, you can take this, this, and this, and you can put into one sentence and right. they look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, look, let me show you. And they go, Oh, oh wow. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's good storytelling like that. And especially for the personal essay, it's just so, and for the times we're in as well, it's, so I'm just a big fan of this way of communicating. It's, it gets the message across quickly, effectively. Um, 
And it's, it's just a skill that all these kids should learn. It, they should all know how to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that you have a, your model from what I understand and your actress and your teacher and you're also a scriptwriter, and you're applying all those skills to help students. So your students might be incredibly, um, you know, grateful, blessed, uh, oh. and also just surprised to see how well um, rounded you are. Uh, where where in Asia did you pursue or teach, if you will? Initially, I was sent to Thailand. Um, okay, I was in a small, uh, the southeastern province of Samut Prakan in Bang Pla Bang Pli. <laughs> and um, I think like the big attraction was the crocodile farm, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but it, I didn't last too long there. I was in a small village and it was such an eye-opening experience. Um, but I, I ended up going to Bali after a year of doing that. Um, mm -hmm. And I ended up Bali on, on a holiday. And I thought, well, I'd be crazy to leave this place. It's really amazing <laughs> exactly. here. Um, and so I got involved with the expat community there. Um, there's a lot of people starting businesses there. Um, a lot of uh, people with young children, third culture kids. And I started tutoring those kids. Um, and so, and, and mentoring a lot of those kids. And I just... I, I had an amazing few years in Indonesia, um, just absolutely living the life abroad, you know, surfing, That's amazing. traveling and all of it. Well, well, congratulations. I think you, you were able to pursue different, your passions and careers and also helping thousands of students uh, pursue their passions and careers as well. Mm -hmm. uh, as you said a little bit about like uh, the changing times. Um, how did COVID impact, um, you know, your admissions um, tutoring process, just your career itself? And also how did it impact the actual admissions assessment process? Well, let's see. Um, it has less to do with COVID and more about what COVID precipitated around like admission scandals, uh, diversity. So I guess I'll start with um, the fifth change um, on my list, which has to do with all the admission scandals that really rocked higher education over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And what that did was it, it increased firewalls um, and division between admissions offices, faculty, university administrators. So it just, it did prompt an increase in transparency um, about admissions criteria or decision-making process, but it also the days of like, Hey, I know somebody who knows somebody is over, you know, like that just doesn't happen anymore the way it used to. Um, and then the diversity piece, um, you know, I suppose there's this tenuous balance colleges have struck in regards to diversity. So they do insist that they don't have quotas, let's say for students from certain backgrounds. Um, but they do stress that they're looking to bring students from, um, from diverse perspectives, uh, right? Yeah, so, I can't imagine them not like picking picking students saying, you know, yeah, we don't have a quota, but we want to make sure that we are not monolithic. We don't want to be like 100% Caucasian or 100% Brown or whatever. Oh. Uh, so I think we need to make sure that, you know, how they are enforcing it is, you know, it is anybody's guess. We don't know. Guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll give you... Like the one thing I will say is like in the end, a student whose identities, geographies, 
lived experiences that break ecology's norms are increasingly favored. Um, and also this means that overall like legacy status is losing ground as an admissions factor, but it varies significantly from college to college. It really does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really like the big changes is diversity and um, transparency um, and obviously test optional, which I'm actually um, I'm, you know, I'm actually running a, a workshop tonight on test optional. Um, but I run workshops, free workshops all the time, um, to talk about test optional, but the whole test optional thing is very nuanced. Um, you know, like a lot of students from very like, you know, high socioeconomic backgrounds are like, great, we don't have to test, you know, but, um, they're not totally aware that that actually for certain schools that doesn't like actually apply to them right yeah because that, blind that applies makes sense. to the kid who's yeah it, it, like it's the thing that it applies to the kid who is from a poor background and didn't have the resources and is at an unfair advantage versus a kid who has all the resources is has a better a better advantage it's like if you didn't test it communicates to the college like you just didn't care Right. Um, so it's, there's a lot of misunderstandings with parents around test optional. It's not, is it really test optional? It just depends on your, where you're coming from. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And also it's like harder to even categorize. I mean, test blind is completely different. So mm -hmm. if you're test blind, I think then you have a completely a carte blanche on like who everybody gets treated the same way, but it's test optional. If somebody gets 1560 SAT and did not, somebody did not even submit their SAT, how are you even going to like put them on a scale and compare them? Like it doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. Uh, but, you know, I think I you're right. If you did not even take a test, that just means that you don't have the right, uh, you know, educational fortitude or whatever. So um, I think that's a different conversation altogether. But regardless, I think if you, based on what you said, uh, the the summary of my conversation yesterday with my friend that I started this discussion about is that, yeah, you know, your daughter is probably going to be competing with hundreds of other students that are equally or equally in a better footing like her uh, in terms of SAT score, ACT score, and also your GPA. So the only way she can get an edge is if she has a better story to tell and tells it in a better way. So because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, for most, unless you're a narcissist, most people don't look at themselves and say, I have this great story. Um, like they, sometimes they have all these extracurriculars, but they don't, you know, maybe teenagers are different uh, because they are much more narcissistic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, they're much more self-focused uh, than yeah. uh, adults are. Uh, but it's, even if you are, you're still uh, not as you don't really have a way to scale this saying, I have all these extracurriculars what does the world have, right? So they don't have a way to assess it. Where, but you as an uh, admissions story coach, you can guide them saying, this this EC is much better than this extracurricular. Let's kind of build a story around that or you know, at least give them the tools to make those decisions themselves. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, you know, that's what I do when, you know, we put all their prompts into a like an Excel sheet tracker. And what we're doing is we're examining, you know, okay, um, what could be a potential topic for this essay? Where could that double down below? So I'm trying to uh, show them how to topic strategize. So they have to write as few essays as possible 
You know, it's like, okay, uh, this topic will work for this, this, and this. It might have to be slightly adapted for this prompt, but that's not too hard. We'll figure it out when we get there. We'll write the main essay and then we'll adapt it as we mm -hmm. need. Um, but yeah, when, when I'm going through the topic strategy, it's like, um, how many different sides of you, like, first of all, what have we talked about in your personal statement? What is left to discuss? And, and we want to communicate a variety of sides about you. So if it's been very like STEM focused, maybe we want to talk about your interest in like gardening or, you know, volunteering at the, um, at the senior living center. Um, or something more humanistic. Um, and so that's something that I'm, I'm just always kind of strategizing in my head about like, what would be, what kind of would go better together. Um, and yeah, with extracurriculars, you know, I always say this, it's like, oh my gosh, everybody has done MUN, everybody has done, um, uh, robotics. So it's like, those essays are tricky <laughs> to write um, at this stage, because mm -hmm. you have to try to make them different. And like I said, it's like, I'm always thinking about a stepladder. So it's mm -hmm. not like, it's like robotics, robotics, robotics. It's like robotics might've, what I'm looking for is like, I've taken robotics this far, but guess what else it applied to? It applied to this, this, and this. And so I'm always just trying to make that essay a little bit different, a little bit weirder a little mm -hmm. bit more unusual in a way that they haven't heard before. And, and sometimes that's tricky and challenging for me to, sure. to do. Um, every student that I work with is a challenge. Like that first session that I'm in, I'm like, okay, you know, it's just like this. I don't know this student. They don't know me. I, I just, I'm just an investigator and I'm following threads and I'm going like, Ooh, that was interesting. Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. And kind of, you know, it's a really interesting process and it, and it, yeah. it's, it has to be, you have to be trained at it. It can, yeah. you know, you have to have an ear and an eye for it. Um, right. you know, I wasn't as good as it when I started out as I am now, um, in terms of noticing what works and what doesn't, what's interesting and what's not, but yeah, the extracurricular piece, the, the quality of extracurriculars, the standard has raised significantly. Yeah. That's another, um, big challenge, you know, um, especially with the internet and access, young people are accomplishing increasingly more impressive things. Like my student who got into Stanford this year, I had some amazing successes this year with my students. I just did amazing things. They mm -hmm. just did. I, I like, he's an amazing applicant. And I, I didn't know that if he was going to get into Stanford Right. <laughs> and I knew he was incredible. Um, but you know, it, like, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Like the story structures, if you're an amazing candidate, I had a student a few years back who got into Stanford. Um, and the, like the focusing lens that we used was like trying stuff. And he's like, he talked about all these different things that he tried and the things that worked, the things that didn't, it kind of gave us like some nice, um, ability to talk about opposition in his life as well. Um, but you know, published research, uh, writing software apps, blogs, startups, nonprofits, inventions. Um, and you know, the under-resourced kids are the ones that are at the biggest disadvantage here, which really stinks. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's like, I always say, it's like, I said this at the beginning and I'll say it now. It's like, don't just rely on your school and the container of your school to give you all the activities 
you want or need, like look around you, check your local, like check the board in your local coffee shop. Um, Mm -hmm. ask around, ask questions. What could I do? What's I'm interested in this, this, like what's happening? Like, like communicate with your wider community to look for these opportunities in the paper online, um, at city hall, like whatever, wherever you can find something different. Um, like, you know, if you start looking, the universe will bring you ideas and opportunities. Um, but if you just stay small in that little bubble, um, you're the, you may very well just have an application. That's like, sort of like every other kid's application. Right. So it, that's the tricky part, you know? That's amazing. I think, uh, we can talk for hours about uh, all your success <laughs> stories. And yeah, you're such an amazing orator and storyteller, uh, Kate. Um, I would love to hear your backstory. You talked a little bit about you being a model, uh, an actress. I'm assuming that you're still continuing that journey uh, while helping students at University Gurus. Mm-mm. No, I actually, during COVID, I, I'm 36 now. So I I was really tired of, um, the driving around LA or even the idea of just walking around Manhattan from audition to, uh, to audition. Um, I got what I needed out of that career. It was mm-hmm. really fun. It took me all over the world. Um, it taught me how to go into like seven or eight job interviews a week. <laughs> this is why I love one of my, what's included in my services is, uh, the college interview, because if you want to get into any of these schools, you have to do a college interview. You it's, right. it's, demonstrate interest is so important. We haven't even talked about that yet, but it's so important to maximize demonstrate interest. It's one of the most important things as more and more, especially liberal arts schools are are focused on protecting their yield, right? right. This, like if I accept the student, will they come, right? Will they enroll? Um, but for me, I'm more interested in building my business. I, I want to help students in the ways that mentors helped me when I was young. Um, I have so much life experience. I know I'm only 36, but I have quite a a treasure chest of wisdom that I have gained um, just because of my life experiences, the way I grew up, the travels around the world. And I guess I've always, I had a mentor say, I was working with all these young people in Bali. And he said to me, pay close attention to this work you're doing with young people. It's going to become more and more relevant in your life. And he was absolutely right. Um, it just brings me so much joy. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in competing for a commercial for Honda anymore. (laughs) Like it doesn't have any meaning to me. It's like, yes, sure. I could go in and do that, but it's, it's not interesting or stimulating. I'm more interested in talking to people like you and sharing my ideas. And, you know, this summer, uh, my partner and I were, we're doing a retreat in Italy. Uh, we're mm-hmm. leading a retreat. Um, and I just got asked to speak at uh, a conference on education innovation in Lisbon. So mm-hmm. my career has gone in a very different direction um, over the past four, five years, um, more in the direction of trying to change a really like broken system in terms sure. of education um, and, and looking at students now, especially the downstream effects of COVID, what we've lost in terms of just academic ability, uh, writing ability, uh, comprehension, the ability to, what I noticed this year um, was that my workload tripled Mm -hmm. because students who just missed a lot of developmental writing skill um, education through those lockdowns and through being on Zoom school, 
you know, whatever, uh, maybe English teachers just, you know, were like, great, you submitted, that's a win, you know, in the times that we were in, like, we weren't asking enough of our kids. Right. Um, and you see that now, um, mm-hmm. so clearly. And what I, the most important thing that I think this college essay process will help students achieve is the ability to make meaning out right. of experiences and ideas. Cause right mm-hmm. now they don't yet know how to extrapolate meaning out of things, which is such an important part of going to college of applying to college and the type of essays and theses they're going to have to write. And, sure. um, I think, yeah, I think for me, yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of like off topic on a tangent now about education, but my career is in a very different place than it used to be, but I don't know. Maybe I'll go back to acting. (laughs) (laughs) I think about it sometimes. I think about it sometimes, but we'll see. Well, that's the, that's the power of life. I think we we always, we make all these decisions thinking that we know what we want, uh, but we only know what we want at that moment. Uh, We, we can see it uh, with our kids where growing up, they're like, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astrology. I don't, you know, I hate I hate fire, I hate science, I hate stars. And you're like, well, let's, we'll, we're letting them evolve and grow and make decisions. So why shouldn't we? So, um, you know, some days you like acting, some days you like teaching, some days you like them both, or sometimes you hate them both. And it's okay for um, you to accept uh, that state and not question it and just go with the flow, if you will. So, mm. Kate, I'm super impressed with all you've already accomplished and uh, especially uh, grateful that you're helping all these young students. Um, You know, as we start wrapping up this episode, I know you talked a little bit about uh, test blind, test optional, and obviously test required, Um, you know, whether it's about admissions or otherwise, where do you see higher education going? Are there any specific trends you're keeping your eye on? Well, AI and learning is going to be a very um, complex and um, it's it's bound to take over in ways that are I can't really predict yet, but it's going to be, I mean, not just chat GBT, but like how we learn. I, I wonder what will happen to higher education. I mean, I wonder, I really don't know. Um, I think that the trends right now um, are marching forward. Um, Online learning, um, students going and finding different routes and different ways to learn since there's so much option available. Um, You know, a lot of students now are choosing to homeschool and choosing like these different uh, types of hybrid learning options. Um, I mean, I'm a part of a brain trust with about like 50 um, education innovators. So I can tell you that the AI, the virtual world learning as well is going to be so big. Um, students be able to really like choose, be very autonomous in what they want to learn, um, is going to be really, um, coming to the fore, uh, but sure. AI and learning AI and learning. I mean, if you ask me this in like a month, cause we're going to be having a brain trust on this subject in the next sure. month. I'll be able to give you a better answer because I want to hear from all these different incredible people about what they are finding, but we can do a whole entire podcast just on that. 
Um, well, uh, you know, we'll definitely invite you back to talk about uh, what you've learned from this, uh, what you learned from these educational innovators and, you know, and anything else for that matter. Kate, it has been such an honor to talk to you. I'm so grateful for you to spend some time, uh, not only with me, but also with all the students and helping them pursue their passions and careers. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you so much. And can I share where to find me? Yes, please. Um, obviously, you can share it on, on the audio and we'll also post it in show notes as well. Go ahead. Awesome. So if you want to work with me for college essay coaching or college admissions consulting, go to universitygurus.com slash sign dash up um, and you'll be able to book a free consult with me there. And if you want to join my free workshops, I'm leading a workshop tonight. I'm leading a workshop with a financial planner on saving money in February. And we're doing a personal statement brainstorming workshop on February 11th. That's Saturday. Um, go to universitygurus.com slash workshops. Great. And listeners, up. listeners will post the links to the show notes and uh, uh, a way to contact Kate. Uh, Kate, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Everything is a service. Whether it's finding ways to help students reach their goals within higher education, sharing medical records to patients quickly and securely, informing residential customers of an impending outage, or communicating with remote satellites thousands of miles apart. All of it requires data, integration, and communication. At End2End, we provide services that make all of these possibilities realities. And we make it faster, simpler, secure, and easier. Because we believe everything is a service, and bringing everything together is how we can help you innovate and change the world. <laughs>